Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey there. Did you know Kroger always gives you savings and rewards on top of our lower than low prices? And when you download the Kroger app, you'll enjoy over $500 in savings every week with digital coupons. And don't forget fuel points to help you save up to $1 per gallon at the pump. Want to save even more? With a Boost membership, you'll get double fuel points and free delivery. So shop and save big at Kroger today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention Kroger shoppers. Did you know there's a world of innovative services and patient care right in store? It's where an award-winning pharmacy and nationally recognized care come together. Connect with one of our licensed pharmacists today at your local Kroger and experience the care you and your family deserve. Kroger Health. A world of care is in store. Services and availability vary by location. Age and other restrictions may apply. For coverage, consult your health insurance company. Visit the pharmacy or our site for details. The State of Louisville Podcast Network. And Hoops Insight proudly present the 101st edition of the Starting 502 podcast. Now, if you've been listening in, a lot of exciting storylines have dominated the little basketball fan base, but none greater than the transfer portal. So sit back and listen to the greatest episode yet in the greatest tradition of little basketball podcasts. A tradition unlike any other. Starting 502. Welcome back to another edition of the Starting 502 Podcast. As always, my name is Presley Meyer. Joined alongside me by Jacob Blaine tonight. We have a special guest in the house, Sean Vincell. If you've not checked him out or you don't follow him on Twitter, you're not subscribed to his website, make sure you do so at Hoops Insight. Sean, how are we doing today, man? Oh, I'm doing great. Doing great. So we, we've been excited to, to get you on just to talk some like nerdy basketball stuff, right? That's, I think that's what a lot of Louisville fans are into. There, I feel like there's a lack of understanding, including between people like me and Jacob. Like, I, I think Jacob's more of a basketball nerd even than I am. But when you get into, like, the statistics and, and the stuff that's more in-depth than just shooting percentages and that sort of stuff, there's, a, there's just a whole different kind of way to perceive the game uh, and a way to, to kind of tell how you know teams match up with each other but the first thing before we get into the transfer portal and all that sort of stuff uh, I don't know if you heard so so JJ Reddick a couple of days ago he was on one of the morning shows or something no it was uh, his own podcast man and he, it, I mean, it was he on his a, podcast okay yeah, okay yeah and so essentially he had it wasn't really a rant but he just had this little kind of tidbit about 
you know, he's been in the league for a while. He's been away from Duke for, what, 15 years now, it feels like. Uh, And essentially, he was saying, you know, I was going back and watching the NCAA tournament, and a lot of the sets that these coaches are running, a lot of the things that these teams are trying to do is exactly what we were doing 15 years ago. And that's fascinating to me because it's so different than what is going on in the NBA, right? Like, and everybody talks about how Steph Curry has kind of changed the game and all that sort of stuff. But there's a lot more to it. There's a lot of more analytics that are that go behind it. And there's we're seeing a lot different stuff going on, essentially. So I guess my, my question would be for you along that line would just be, you know, what exactly are we looking at in, in modern college basketball? And has the game changed at all over the last 10, 15 years, do you think? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. College basketball has definitely been a lot slower to adapt than the NBA. I think a big driver of the NBA uh, changes you've seen lately are the fact that um, 3D tracking data has been available now for almost a decade, basically, right. in NBA arenas. You know, that, that technology's been out for about 10 years, and then it's been, I want to say, seven, eight years since the NBA actually just bought it for all their teams. And so teams are starting to understand the geography and the three-dimensional aspect of the court and how things like um, you know space between offensive players, space between to your closest defender, how those affect shot quality and the chances of shot going in, and then also how that creates space for other players to operate. That really isn't prevalent at the college basketball level yet. Now, what has changed, though, is, is you've seen some of the stylistic changes that have happened in the NBA where uh, three-point yeah, three-point shooting has gone now through the roof where teams that were the most three-happy 10 years ago would be among the least three-point you know, prolific in the league. And then also just an appreciation of playing multiple three-point shooters and creating that spacing for players to drive, less, uh, less reliance on, on post-ups, which are really pretty efficient. College has seen some of that shift where kind of coaches understand, you know, connect those ideas to how it works on the basketball court. But it's still been really slow. One thing, though, that, that you've seen is the, the rate at which college teams are shooting threes has gone up a lot in the past. It's probably been about six years, which interesting because that kind of coincides also with some of the you know teams like Duke and Kentucky have mm-hmm. fallen off a little bit in those those same time frames. And I don't think that's unrelated. Uh, offensive rebounding has fallen off uh, generally across um, the league. Turnovers have actually dropped a little bit. So teams have gotten a little bit smarter and started to optimize, but there's still a ton to do. I mean, you see teams like Alabama that don't shoot many mid-range shots. Louisville last year actually decreased the rate of shooting mid-range shots a ton, and that seemed revolutionary. But you're, you're not really pushing that to the, I guess, what you'd call like kind of the logical limits quite yet. I think you know there, there's some difficulty in installing those systems Um you know, in college, given the limited practice time, things like that, uh, and just the limited, you know, limited time you get with your players. But there's definitely been some evolutions, and I, I think it's just going to keep accelerating. From a statistical standpoint, when you look at college basketball data and you break down what makes a team stand out compared to others, obviously you can look at a Kansas and say they've got a big guy, they've got a guard, they've got a, a wing, but what is the ideal kind of landscape of a starting five or even a college basketball roster right now? Like what, what is the kind of foundational things that you have to have, which this is probably a good tee up to the Louisville conversation considering they have, you know, 59 roster spots they got to fill, right? Where's Eric, where's, where's Eric Musselman to to generate 30 new roster spots when you need it? No kidding. You just borrow some players from them or whatever. I don't know. Maybe (laughs) Arkansas and LSU are just going to combine. LSU has no players. I, I think the things that you really need are you need, 
a low post player who can rebound and contest shots at the rim. Doesn't have to be an amazing shot blocker even, just has to be someone who can kind of contest and, and, and help defend the rim. Who's going to be, I'd say, even more active than necessarily a great shot blocker. Um, you need to have a lead ball handler who can generate assists without generating a ton of turnovers. You, you need that like two to one assist to turnover ratio because turnovers are so damaging for the lead ball handler there. And then you really, the other three players need to have some combination of shooting, uh, defense, or rebounding. And preferably you have some redundancy there, not like one is good at, at each because you right. kind of need to be able to build your team identity. And the, the reality is, the interesting thing about college basketball is because you're recruiting from such a huge pool, you kind of can build the roster to whatever style you want, but you've definitely got to pick a style and go with it. You, teams have, have, you've also got to decide what you're not going to be good at. Maybe you're, you're going to punt on offensive rebounding because you want to get back on defense, or you're going to punt on three-point shooting because you want length and shot blocking. We just got to, you got to optimize that. But I think the minimum is you've got to have someone who can rebound and defend in the middle, and you've got to have a capable lead ball handler and then kind of rolls around that. So, yeah, and I think that that's what I would want to see Louisville do with their, their roster flexibility next year is kind of build that those type of pieces that can work together. Yeah, and b- before we get into next year, I kind of look back at everything that you're saying, and, you know, as a fan, as somebody who is just more than somebody who covers the team, who really is, you know, lives and dies by by what happens on the court, I kind of relate this back to, to Louisville in the Chris Mack era and kind of a lot of the stuff that you've been saying feels like it's the opposite of, of the teams that Chris Mack has constructed. I know that we talked a lot in the off season. I read a lot of your stuff and it was great in the off season about how they added all the, the, the shooting prowess that never kind of came to, to a head. You know, we added Ross McMains who really the offense might've even taken a step back this season. And, and, you know, there's a lot that came out about Ross McMains that, you know, the, the players couldn't even figure out what was going on until like 80% of the way through the season, like that sort of stuff, uh, which, which could be true as well. But I, I guess it's kind of a two-part question. Number one, do you think that Chris Mack's style of play was not conducive to success at the highest level of college basketball? Was it a little bit behind the times? And number two, uh, I know that you suggested that the NBA obviously is taking larger steps. They simply have better players. So obviously it's a little bit easier, but do you, do you think it's just a, a matter of that, that there could be some truth to that, that like you bring in a guy like Ross McMains, who's coaching only pros for his entire career. And then he comes in and he has kind of a, a makeshift kind of hastily built team full of players who we think might fit the mold, but ultimately, you know, it, things did not pan, pan out at, at all. Like what we expected. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think to the first part, I, I think you're spot on with the fact that Chris Mack, I think, had a certain style of offense that he played at Xavier, which tended to feature uh, multiple ball handlers. So, you know, multiple threats. I actually wrote an article last year that, like, yeah, he pretty much always has two or three guys who do a lot of the playmaking. It's, it's just, you know, mostly off of passing, less off of dribbling and uh, not really concerned so much with shot blocking up front. More guys who are you know, capable passers can do some shooting, uh, a little bit extra length in the backcourt for the um, some of the pack line defenses will generate steals. I'll, I'll be charitable. I think Chris Mack got away with that style against more mid-major teams where he's playing against teams that don't necessarily have athleticism to finish at the rim a whole lot. So shot blocking is as big of a factor that don't have the athleticism to stay in front of the man they're guarding as much, or at least a lot of the teams he was playing against as a savior 
it would be more likely that he would be able to pick on a weak link there and take advantage of that. When you get to the ACC level, you're going to have the most notable step up is going to be an athleticism. If a player isn't that great of a, a finished product and skilled, but tremendously athletic, you know, they tend to end up at these high major programs and coaches kind of figure it out. So you've got to be able to combat the athleticism. But he just, he never really had, with the exception of probably David Johnson, I think even Carly Jones wasn't the off the dribble playmaker and creator. He was more of a kind of mid-range scorer. And then you saw David Johnson didn't even really get to play point guard last year. Probably the one of the best stretches Chris Mack had was when he handed the ball to David Johnson as a freshman at the end of the year. A little start turning on and then you know, COVID uh, unfortunately canceled the tournament. But I, I think that was something that he just never was able to adjust to. And I think, yeah, the, the, the lack of really having uh, an interior defensive presence, I think the idea was that maybe Malik would get there because he was tall. Really, Malik Williams is probably more of a move-your-feet kind of guy than a real shot blocker. He never really blocked a lot of shots. Right. And I, I think I think Louisville was able to adapt a little bit to having a confident defense. But when you're going up against the very best teams, they're going to have guys usually with length that can finish at the rim. And that just wasn't something Louisville could really handle. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, yeah, I, I, I agree that I think that there were some some misses in Chris Mack translating to the, to the high level. Well, hey, I mean, if you want to, you know, transition from a style that's of one one variation to the uh, complete opposite, here we are. Louisville brings in uh, Kenny Payne as the head coach of the program, alumni, guy that won a championship. He comes from the New York Knicks, obviously had been at Oregon, Kentucky, so he's got kind of this uh, college basketball DNA. Now the NBA coaching and, and skill and understanding of what's needed at the next level, really kind of this perfect storm of a coach for Louisville, and so... Uh, the one thing, though, that I feel like most fans don't have a grasp on, and I think most people, because he's been an assistant, is the style of play. So, Sean, what can you tell me about what you've gleaned from from statistics, from watching film? What is at the core of Kenny Payne? What is he as a coach, and what can we expect offensively and defensively from his Louisville teams? That's, uh, that's interesting. I'll say this. I'm probably going to be wrong because I'm kind of guessing based on limited information, so it could be totally way off, but a couple things that I think he's going to prioritize are I think he's going to want to have some quick guards in the backcourt and then complement the lead guard with like, like almost like a two point guard or have a wing who really can handle the ball a lot, have multiple players who can really attack off the dribble. Um, I think that's something that, you know, he comes from um, coach under Calipari. Calipari tends to do that a lot. And then when you get to the NBA, you look at the Knicks this year and you know, they had a guy like RJ Barrett who's playing on the wing, but really kind of a creative had Julius Randall, who was in the post kind of creating a lot. I think um, Kenny Payne has had a front row seat to, you need to have multiple creators. So mm-hmm. he's going to look to probably have a few guys who can really create as opposed to saying like, LLS is our lead guard and Noah Locke is our shooter. And that's what he does. Like having not quite as rigid rules, having some redundancy and creating, I think also he's probably going to prioritize, especially in the front court, 
um, athleticism, length. You know, look for those guys with wingspan. Um, you know, over maybe things like so much bulk. Um, yeah, the, the NBA obviously moved away from post ups, and so I think he's probably seen a lot of. Yeah, if you have guys with wingspan, especially at the the three position, you can move up to the four. I think a guy like Jalen Withers will be really interesting to see um, what he does this year. Uh, I'm very interested to see what Roosevelt Wheeler does. Obviously, Kenny Payne has a really strong track record with big men of getting them in shape, getting them to commit kind of more to defense and mastering some of the finer points. So I'm really interested to see what he does and who some of these uh, the transfers they lands and some of his first recruits are that I would think if you look at what type of players those are, that's going to point you to the style it's going to play. Mm-hmm. When you when you bring up Jalen Withers and and Roosevelt Wheeler specifically, and even JJ Trainer, you could probably throw in there. My concern, I think that a lot of their promise, which is why it's my concern, is that I feel like they would thrive more at the five spot. But the issue that you run into is, I think that defensively, guys like JJ Trainer and Jalen Withers specifically could be defensive liabilities because they're going to give up so much size to some of these power five players. And do you feel like the statistics show number one, that, that these guys, especially tra- or especially withers, because we have a much larger, larger sample size. Do you, do you feel like the, the numbers kind of indicate that he plays better at the five spot? And, and secondly, can, can teams win uh, and, and be successful at the highest level? Uh, you know, we're talking like elite eight final four type of teams with a guy who's like six, nine, instead of having just these, you know, kind of dominant bigs, like we saw in the final four this year. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. I, um, I'll say the second part, I think teams can win being a little bit undersized in the post, but the undersized players still have to be able to do things like battle a little bit inside go for rebounds, maybe not be as much of shot blocker to do that. Like, like Texas Tech, they had Bryson exactly. Williams yeah. playing the five. Yeah. He's six eight, six nine, and then you have Marcus Santos Silva off the bench. You have guys that right. are bang- exactly. they're not scoring, but they're ba- well Bryson Williams did, but they're banging down low essentially. Exactly, or, or like Villanova over the years is constantly. I mean, they'll play like a six seven two twenty guy in the middle who just knows like I'm going to go get rebounds. Yeah, I'm going to crash for putbacks. Yeah. Um, I'm going to yeah, I'm just going to defend, and and that's what I'm worried about. Um, Jalen Withers, I think absolutely he plays much better on offense at the five. Um, the thing is, so two years ago, especially the big weakness of Louisville was defending at the rim. He is not an effective defender. Now, right. some of that may not totally be due to his, you know, cause physically he's a pretty imposing guy. Um, it, it may just be due to some things that he just needs to work on in terms of the discipline of knowing that role. I think yeah, he's probably not used to being a high level rim protector. And so mm-hmm. he may be able to get there. Um, JJ trainers, even lighter. I think JJ probably is mostly going to be a, a, a power forward. Unfortunately, um, yeah. the positive thing is trainer in, in limited time has actually shown a, a couple of things. One, some ability to hit some jump shots, but also some of his defensive numbers around his ability to kind of, uh, you generate steals or disrupt dribble actions are really actually very impressive uh, for, especially when he was a freshman last year in some of the limited time he got, he had a, a tr- Louisville outscored teams like crazy JJ trainers on the court. And a lot of it was simply that like he would make a couple little plays or he would help cover for some things on defense. So I think that's interesting, but yeah, I do worry that Louisville may need a you know, more solid presence inside at the five to go alongside those guys, which then changes the role that, that Withers and Trainer have to play to be more perimeter oriented. Withers obviously didn't do great with that last year. So 
Yeah, and that, that's the big, big question mark for me. Like, I think that Louisville's going to go out and they're going to find some, some successful guards, whether it be, you know, kind of a, a late addition in the 2022 class or reclassification, but probably from the tra- transfer portal. Like, I think that Louisville can be successful in grabbing some guards because there's so many guys out there in the portal. And just with the coaching staff we're seeing bring, them bringing in, it really seems like that they'll be able to, to take care of, of, of business in the backcourt. Uh, my concern is going to fall in the front court. If you have those guys staying, um, you know, I, I, I think that ultimately what you would hope that it becomes is like Jalen Williams at Arkansas. Uh, I think that that's probably, you know, the, the look that Louisville would be going for with kind of more, some more modern quote unquote looking sets on offense and just a guy that can absolutely just crash the boards, be efficient at the free throw line, that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's my number one concern going in. So I, I guess kind of moving forward just a little bit, uh, towards what Louisville will be looking for it, in your opinion. I, and I, I know that things change from day to day, but as we record this, it looks like Louisville has six roster spots open. Um, and so with that in mind, uh, if you, if you're Kenny Payne and Louisville's coaching staff, uh, what do you, you know, what, what's on the forefront? What are you going out to try to find first? Yeah, I think the the first priority needs to be you've got to get some lead ball handling help. L. Ellis had a lot of flashes last year. He's, he was easily the best uh, dribble penetrator on the roster, and he can actually shoot three. But I, I don't think Louisville can go into the season with him as the primary playmaker, especially down the stretch. And granted, things fell apart, so I don't want to say that he can't get any better, but he didn't have a lot of time last year where he was really making a lot of plays for other players. It was more, he was scoring himself. And I, I think he's a better fit at the two alongside uh, a, a real lead ball handler. And luckily there's the portal has a ton of guys who are, you know, who have been lead ball handlers at the mid major level, or even some guys who have done it at the high major level. And a lot of them have been pretty effective at limiting turnovers. So that's, that's an area where I think this year, especially early on the portal, there's a lot of possible candidates. I'd say that is absolutely the first priority because last year you saw what happens to an offense if basically nobody can get past their man and get to the basket. Like, I mean, McMain's whole system is based on you know, somebody beats their man and then starts dominoes concept. Well, just right. nobody beat their man. Like that isn't who Jared West was. Um, that's absolutely not who Noah Locke was. And I think Louisville thought maybe that Withers might, you know, initiate some more of that action, but he's just not the playmaker. So I think they need to establish a lead guard. I think that that will, um, I think that'll lead to a lot of good things. I think that's the the position where Louisville actually can't go into the season without an upgrade. Just a a quick follow up to that as as well. My question all off season, and I think Jeff Greer put it best, but I mean, you you could have put it well here as well that, you know, who stirs the drink for this team? (laughs) And that was just never like, that was a question we had in the off season. You know, like there's a lot of good pieces on this team, but there's nobody to get them the ball. And the guys who we kind of thought might be that just could not get it done at, at the highest level. So, I mean, I guess could you kind of try to more eloquently than than I can put it put in the words the just the importance of of having a, a lead ball handler and and how much that could have changed you know last year's roster roster, but how much that can kind of be beneficial for these players that we already have coming back. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I can't tell you enough how much that would have been the missing piece. I think, through, especially through the first half of the season last year, um, really through Christmas, 
Louisville was a top 25, top 30 defense in the country last year, but they couldn't generate anything on offense. And there were really two things that were killing them. One, when they'd get out in transition, they didn't have the ball handling to push the tempo enough and get to the basket. They were taking a ton of pull-up transition threes, and it wasn't kickouts. It was literally they couldn't get the ball past the three-point line. Um, if you've got a quick ball handler who can beat their man, that's going to force the defense to rotate. If you do that in the fast break, you're going to force people to rotate who aren't used to doing that. Like they're scrambling already. That's how you generate good open shots uh, on the fast break. Louisville couldn't do that. Second of all, um, when you get in the half-court offenses, yeah, you can run nice sets and things like that, have really good passing. But a lot of times when it comes down to the last 10 seconds of the shot clock, you really need someone to be able to trigger the action by being their man. And so the kind of the, it, back in the day in the NBA, it used to be you draw a double team, and a lot of times that was coming out of the post. So you throw the ball into the post to a big man, double team would happen. They'd either, maybe they're so good they go score, or they'd kick the ball out and force rotation. Nowadays, it's more done off of dribble penetration. You need someone who can beat that, and especially, preferably without even needing a screen so that you can be spacing the floor nice for, uh, for other players to drive. Louisville didn't have that last year at all. And just continually you'd see these possessions where the ball was just passed around the three-point line because nobody could move it inside the arc. And then somebody jacked up a shot at the end of the shot clock. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No those are, th- those possessions need to be like, you need to have like maybe five of those a game. And Louisville had like 15 a last year. And that's just, that's devastating the offense. So I kind of want to do something interesting here and this, this could be uh, far off, but I'm going to, I'm going to trust that I know um, what I've been kind of looking at from, from people like you with putting statistics out and understanding what Louisville needs, what's coming back. I'm going to give you my five uh, biggest needs for Louisville. And I want you with your knowledge of the transfer portal to give me a couple of names that fit each of these categories. Okay. I think this will be a good way for people to, to see some application of how the, portal works all right so for me i think much like you said the number one priority this this transfer run will be the lead ball handler the point guard of the team who are a couple one two three guys that fans should know obviously this portal is going to go on we know up until may one we got clarity on that date today which last year was july one so that's two months of a difference for for uh, speeding up roster construction we won't have transfers late into the summer but who are uh, the guys that are available right this second that could fit the lead ball handler role for kenny Payne? what one candidate that's probably I, I, this name has been i think linked to alabama because i think he's from alabama's mark sears who was at ohio um had two years and Great, you know, creative ball handler, can really shoot from the outside, uh, played for a very solid mid-major program that stepped up and played a lot of high-major uh, teams, and he showed up very well. I think, like, if you were just telling me you can pick any player from the portal and put him on Louisville, I'd say he would probably be my first choice. I think he's proven. I think he legitimately is a lead ball handler creator who can shoot. However, I, I'm not certain that he's, you know, available to everybody. I think he may have. Uh, target of where he wants to go. But a couple guys that are that I think are interesting that are, uh, again, coming from mid-major right? Uh Tristan Newton from East Carolina is about 6'5", so he's mm-hmm. a real interesting creator. 
Um, didn't have a great shooting year last year, but it's really good at like he can hit the mid-range jumper, really good playmaker, uh, relatively low turnover guy. He's someone and with his size. Also, one of the benefits, both Sears and Newton uh, just finished their sophomore year, so they have a couple years of eligibility. You're not going to have to replace them right away next year, too, so you can build with them. And then a guy that's a little bit under the radar, but it's really interesting to me. So uh, VMI has two guys in the portal who are really good, yeah. And I guess just the rest of their team was terrible because, but uh, they've got a point guard, Trey Bonham. He's only about six foot. So he's a little smaller than Newton, but really interesting. So that's one of the things I like to look at when I look at, um, especially point, your point guards or, or shooting guards coming to the portal who are moving up a level is uh, a couple things. Their steal rate, which tends now some teams inflate that by playing pressure defense, but generally your steal rate's an indicator of, are you athletic enough and kind of smart enough to anticipate that? Uh, anything above two and a half is a really good two and a half percent of opposing possessions getting a steal is really good for a guard. And then also their um, two things, their field goal percentage at the rim and then how awesome they get to the rim. That to me signals they've got the athleticism to step up. Um, for example, last year, Jared West what didn't didn't grade out really well in that metric and Noah Locke even worse. So pre-transfer, those were two guys who didn't get to the rim a ton or score at the rim in their previous stops. And then you saw they really struggled at Louisville to do that. Um, and Bonham's actually got some really interesting numbers. When you get a guard who's like only six foot, but you can hit 60% at the rim or so, is uh, that's, that's gold right there. That's a guy that can probably play at the higher level. Yeah, and I really like his teammate, Jake Stevens. Yeah. A big man out of Vima. I mean, it's crazy to me sometimes seeing these teams that will have – Sanford did this a couple of years ago. Richmond has done it. They'll have guys that are, you know, they're a terrible mid-major or bottom of, you know, middle to bottom of the pack, but then they'll have three guys go play at a power five school. And you're just like, what is happening? It's it's bizarre. Well, it's funny. Somebody pointed this out when Trey Young was at Oklahoma, the the thing was like, oh, Trey Young has terrible teammates. He's carrying them. Well, two of his teammates from Oklahoma team were Brady Manick on North Carolina and Cam Mcgusty, who was on Miami this year and were like stars for them in the tournaments. It's like, oh. I guess they actually could do something, but yeah, I, I, I'm very interested to see, how, you know, especially as we get a few years of the portal, like mm-hmm. how do these mid-major guards jump to the high level and really be able yeah. to for sure. Okay, so second category here mm-hmm. in my mind right now, Louisville. Uh, potentially, you could you could categorize L. Ellis in this role, but I still think Louisville needs a go-to scorer uh, mm-hmm. in the backcourt specifically with the guards. So, who is a guy in the portal right now that you could say is a Carly Jones or somebody that's just a bucket that you could say, here, take the ball and go get me. You know, even though you might be coming up from the mid-major level, go give me twelve to seventeen points a night. Yeah, that's uh, I, I'd say the probably number one on my list there would be uh, Nigel Pack from Kansas State. He's only six foot and he, he moved off ball this year and made, I think, first team all big 12 of eight. So he's done this at high major level. Now, I always take it up with a little bit of grain of salt because sometimes a guy did that just because he got a ton of shots and other guys didn't. And it's like he was. The team was okay, but whatever. But Pack is a legitimate outside threat. He hit 44% last year. Um, didn't get to the rim a ton, but finished really well there. Like, a lot of good numbers. And his, he didn't put up great assist numbers this year, but good assist to turnover ratio. And he could, be, he, especially next to Ellis, I think he could really thrive. Because he could be a secondary playmaker, and both of them could, would be able to hit hit uh, threes. I think that's a guy. Um, I think there's an interesting guard, Jameer Young from Charlotte, who put up a lot of points. And he's, you know, Charlotte obviously not a great, um, they're an old Metro Conference bow. But again, and Young wasn't as good of a three-point shooter, but Young got to the rim a ton at 6-1, um, had a lot of good, you know, was pretty consistent this year and has been pretty consistent in 
putting up good stats for a couple years on Charlotte. I that you know I, I kind of like that. Like reminds me of a Carly Jones who's like he's a little undersized, kind of had to do it all. Probably wouldn't need to do as much for Louisville, so might be more efficient, might shoot a little bit better from the outside. And I would love him as more of a kind of a, a guy like, hey, you go get this bucket. You're not our maybe our lead ball handler all the time, but you can definitely be a bucket for us. There's a couple of guys I'll throw in the, the mix there as well. Suli Boom. That's one of my favorite names in college basketball. He's a six foot three guard from UTEP, yeah. two times all conference USA player. He's another guy that averaged double digits his entire career across two yeah. programs. Uh, he could be somebody to keep an eye out for. And then Presley knows one guy that I've had a little bit of a transfer portal crush on uh, is Cameron Winter out of Drexel. I was waiting for it, man. He I was reminds for Cam Winter. If, if Kristen Cunningham and Trey Lewis had an offspring basketball child, it would be Cameron Winter. He is not, I, I read a little bit about him in the article that you just put out about mm-hmm. Louisville's offseason, but he's a guy that scored, he's passed, he's rebounded. He, he you know, Drexel has had a, a history of putting guys uh, into the Power Five and been able to. Mm-hmm produce i don't know he's a name i like what do you think about those names yeah winter's interesting because when you get a guy who's had played for four years you kind of see the ups and downs whereas guys who are younger you may see like the ups and like the downs so i I like that's a little more balanced winter has got a really interesting profile he um had a terrible three-point shooting year last year but was really good before that so i'd put a little more and he's been a great free throw shooter so i think and winter brings more of the playmaking i think Mm -hmm. than and he's probably the best pure playmaker of anybody if I think he's a great, I wouldn't even say maybe compromise, but like I think of him in the same, like he's a little step below, I'd say Tristan Newton, due to a little smaller size, but same of like they could be a lead guard and you can also depend on them to score. I'd love to see them maybe build with a couple of these guys, but I think Winter's really interesting. The, the only real red flag for me is Winter um, didn't get to the free throw line a lot, didn't um, get a lot of steals. So it's like, but a lot of times that's a part of the, the, the team, you know, kind of the, the way they structure their offense. And when it, that's consistent over four years, it's like, well, okay, that, that's probably a part of the team. Sully Boom is interesting. And in um, when I was looking at him, a lot of stuff really checked a lot of interesting boxes, especially last year. Not a huge playmaker, but 6'3". The weird thing for him is he is surprisingly bad at finishing at the rim. He's like 48% there, which is like, that's a red. Anything below like 55 is it good for a guard? Below 50 percent scares me. I didn't check to see past couple of years. Oh, well, he was worse last year. That's the only thing that worries me is that like he either tries a higher level of difficulty at the rim than maybe he should, or struggles to finish over length there. So that would be a little bit of a worry. But if if you're ta- talking about him, because he's Boom is actually a pretty good outside shooter. I'd say him with another one of these guys who's more of a finisher at the rim. I think he's, and I'd say any of the names we've just discussed, I think would be, if not an upgrade over what Louisville has coming in, an absolute like rock solid. Like, yes, you can put that, those guys in a rotation next year. So, yeah. yeah. It's interesting to me before you, before you jump into the next component that you're looking for here, Jacob. It's interesting to me how as basketball fans or as college basketball fans, we're already turning into like NBA fans, right? It's like free and, agency, man. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the way that we are dissecting players already, it's oh. exactly like you look at, like when you see a guy coming out of U of L or UK, you know, you could have the kid from UK who had eight points a game, but he's only played, you know, he's the sample size is smaller. Whereas last year, David Johnson's, uh, you know, a, a, a lottery pick, and all of a sudden, he has a second year of, of uh, 
of right. stuff to work off of. And all of a sudden people are just jumping, jumping ship. And it's like, that's, that's a perfect example. But one thing I will say of all these players that I, that you've talked about, uh, the one thing that I've, I've noticed just going back and thinking about all these grad transfer and now transfer guards, the ones who have been successful at Louisville and correct me if I'm wrong here have been the ones who are more athletic. So you have these guys come in with like crazy numbers. I know, Everybody was so high on Jared West last year because, you know, number three in the, in the country active in, in steals, and which, I mean, great. He was a great on-ball defender against lesser teams. Uh, but, but I think that that's a huge, huge thing to look at. And that's why I – and, no, Jacob, I don't want to break your heart, but that's why I, I give pause to, to Cam Winter versus some of these other guys because really what I think that Louisville needs to be looking for in, in the portal is, is a David Johnson type of player or a Londez Williams type of player like a guy who's like a bigger ball handler, because that's, that's what's really successful in college basketball right now. Uh, I mean, you even look at the guy from Kansas. I can't think of a Baji. Chai Obaji. Yeah. But, but, but you say that, and then they have Christian Brown who is, you know, he's, he's far more athletic than a guy who normally looks like him, but, but it's, it, it, every team varies. You can have different guards who do different things depending on what's your roster. So it's hard for us to, and personally, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's hard to say, you know, I, there's obviously reasons why you would be concerned about a non-athletic guard moving up from a, a, a you know, non-power five program. But at the same time, look at what Kristen Cunningham did. There's methodical guards who know how to play college basketball the right way. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's those who come up like Jared West who just can't get around a parked car, you know, so it, it's, it's hard to tell. Yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely not put, I'll put Kristen Cunningham in the upper echelon of, of, athletic guard transfers like I think he's more athletic than like a Trey Lewis there's a certain mold that you're looking for in transfer guards so I just think it's interesting just kind of looking one other name uh in guards that that the only guard that we've really known that Louisville's been interested in is fascinates me uh Lewis or Luis or Louis Rodriguez depending on <laughs> I'm not sure what you know how you pronounce but um, and there's a, there's another one as well, which I want to make sure I throw out there. And that's Dante Allen from Kentucky. That's, oh, that's the right, other that's right. name. Yeah. That's the other name uh, from the guard position that we've heard. Continue. Yep. And it, I think <laughs> it's interesting what you look at because, you know, you see a guy uh, like, like there, there are certain players like a Damian Lee, uh, like a, like a Carly Jones, something like that, where you just know they're going to come in and they're going to ball out just from, from their track record. But it's interesting to me that, one of the first guys that we know, uh, granted, they could have reached out to a bunch of other guys, but one of the first guys that we're hearing the name of is Louis Rod- Rodriguez. I'm just going to call him Louis regardless <laughs> of what his, his first name is, but he averaged 6.6 points, 5.5 rebounds, and one and a half steals per game in 30-plus minutes last season. That's That sounds a lot like the production of like a that's Jared like a West cr- type That's of. like a Chris Smith. Well, like, that's it's what like, that sounds they, like. like they already had Dre Davis and so maybe just yeah, talk to yeah. him and have him stay. It's like, and that, similar that, size and similar. Yeah. yeah. I mean, very like, you know, I watched some highlights and I was like, maybe he's just like a freak athlete who, which granted he looks like he's a, he's a big solid quicker version of uh, Dre Davis. I don't know, man, like that, that, that doesn't jump off the page. To it me doesn't feel like a Kenny Payne move here. Yeah, right? Right, I mean, I right. can understand like a Dante Allen because he has familiarity, but Louis Rodriguez, it's like, what yeah. are you doing here? It's a little bit of a stretch. I'll, I'll say this. From everything I've heard, Kenny Payne keeps everything very close to the vest, mm-hmm. has his people keep things. It's not terribly surprising to me that there's not much word out about who Louisville's targeting because I think Kenny Payne wants to keep it that way, which is 
interesting because Kentucky you know, programming came from is kind of the opposite. Like you hear about like all these whispers about like, oh, Kentucky's contacted this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid. And it's like, so Kenny Payne, clearly that's a personal risk. I, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, Dante Allen, not a big surprise. Like if, if Louisville didn't reach out to him, I would have been more surprised because they've got roster spots. He's an in-state kid and kind of sticks it to your rival if he does anything. But uh, I, yeah, I don't understand the Louis Rodriguez thing. Like there are, I, look, I mean, he's, he might be good at basketball. There's a lot of guys. But yeah. There's, a lot There's of guys. 500 other guys that are probably better than him. So, yeah, it's a little. Yeah, like you could you could literally like throw a dart at the transfer portal right now and probably get a guy who's going to be more So that was an interesting. There's got to be some connection, but it also, to, to your point, and then I'll let Jacob get back to, to his line of questioning here, but uh, to, to your point, it is going to be fascinating kind of being a fan of a program uh, that there's probably not going to be very many leaks. Now, granted, we don't know who this this third coach is going to be, uh, but we know that we Louisville's going to have three guys on staff in some capacity uh, that are not known for, you know, they, they keep a close circle, right? Uh, and they're quiet, kind of to-themselves guys. Uh, you know, Kentucky, I mean, I feel like there's leaks because John Gallipari is their head coach, like a guy who loves to talk. Um, and, and, you know, he, those kind of guys are going to attract other guys like that, where you have like a Nolan Smith, who's just more personable, quiet to himself guys that you, you like every time they walk into a room and they they're entertaining and, uh, you know, seem like really great guys and, and awesome people gravitate towards them, but not guys who are going to be out there, uh, talking about their business at all. Milt Wagner, the same way, if he's going to be a guy who ends up on the staff, you know, not a guy that I even know has social media or anything like that. And KP didn't have a, a Twitter account until he was hired at U of L. So it, it's things like that are, you know, it's interesting to see how things play out that way uh, because, you know, you're coming, you're coming away from a, a coach uh, and a coaching staff that they love being on social media to the point of they'll be in the DMS. If, if they feel like that you slided them and they'll be, uh, you know, leaving this breadcrumb trail of likes, you know, on Twitter, like, you, you know what's going on. You can okay. see their follows and all that stuff, right? That's not going to be the case anymore. Like, we're not going to be piecing together like, oh, well, Chris Mack just followed, you know, insert name transfer. You know, it's not going to be like that. So I think you're absolutely right, Sean, and that could be a situation where a, a recruit comes up out of the blue, um, and then it's we're going to be back to the days of, of Jody Demling breaking everything again. So uh, that'll be interesting to see, but – Jacob, continue your line of questioning. I apologize. No, you're totally fine. All right, let's jump back in here. The biggest needs Louisville has on the roster from my perspective, which is probably the wrong perspective, but I digress. We move on here. Uh, Defensive big is the third need right now. I think Louisville's got a nice piece in Curry. I thought that your your, uh, statistical insight was very interesting because when you're watching a guy score 28 points, it's easy to not watch him uh, not play defense. Um, And I think Louisville fans have a little bit of a jaded perspective of Curry considered the fact that you know, sometimes every team has to have a, a guy that scores a lot of points. And it seemed like Curry kind of developed into that role late. But uh, I, I just reading a tweet from Jeff Greer that it sounds like Roosevelt Wheeler will be back next year. So there is some of that, you know, uh, potential for him to develop into a defensive big. But in the in the portal high school ranks, who do you see as a guy or a couple of guys that could fill that role uh, for Kenny Payne? Yeah, it, it's interesting because assuming, I mean, if Wheeler, Curry, and then Frederick King, who 
I'm still not convinced that's a real person. Like, like literally, I was talking to Jeff Kerr about it. He's like, yeah, I don't know where he is or anything. Nobody knows anything about him. <laughs> I think um, he's out of his letter of intent now. So I, I mean, okay. Louisville, yeah, yeah. So Louisville is is uh, technically has no other bigs except for what they have on the roster. The, the the challenge for me is so Curry had a big year last year offensively. Yeah, down the stretch, became kind of a, a cult hero with the team, and then quite frankly became probably their best offensive option and probably their best player down the stretch. The challenge is the things he does score inside really effectively um, is you, know, you see it very clear, but some of the things he doesn't do um, very well, you know, he's kind of a liability on defense, uh, also very turnover and foul prone, things like that, that those really impact winning. I think a lot of that is conditioning related. Mm-hmm. Now, if you need a big man to get in condition, Kenny Payne's the right coach. So hopefully that helps a lot. Um, if for some reason the staff, like, I, you know, you're not going to have a real inside defensive presence with, with Sidney Curry, but you can get by with him. Mm. If the staff wants somebody to be more of a defensive presence and Roosevelt Wheeler, for whatever reason, isn't the guy, I think you've probably got to look a little bit deeper in the portal at some guys who are not as, um, you know, not as prominent. So, for example, like, I don't know if it's Johnny or Jonah Groom from Morehead State, like, that guy's going to go somewhere and be a star. Like, he wants to be the first option. I don't think that's the kind of guy you're going to get um, or that they, they even should be getting. I think you're just inviting problems. But there was um, an interesting name that I threw that I was just searching through some things. Um, the guy, um, and I have to make sure, is it Jaden Bailey or Jalen? Jalen Gainey, sorry. Never heard of this guy before I started diving in and looking stuff. And his name started popping up. And because I started filtering for like, okay, who are guys who block shots, who don't have a high usage rate, you know, rebound well. He's from Brown, which means, so he finished his senior year, um, can't play there again, needs to leave the conference. You get a lot of guys out of the Ivy. He's interesting in that most Ivy big men are those kind of under the room guys. And he absolutely is not. But he wasn't just blocking shots against like six, seven post players, you know, somebody in the Ivy League like this guy was doing it against some high major teams um he's absolutely not a guy that's going to come in and start in the ACC I don't know that he'll ever score double figures in an ACC game he's not he basically he's limited to kind of dunking around the basket but he can absolutely block some shots and rebound that's kind of what I'd like them to bring in maybe as somebody who's like competition for Sidney Curry or a change of pace who plays, you know, eight to 12 minutes a game and comes in and offers some more of that. I, I think of it similar to like um, maybe like Anas Mahmoud or um, you know, earlier in his career, Omega Mathiang, guys who are more projects, but bring that defense and rebounding ability. So that, that's a guy I would love to see them get rather than a big team. I have absolutely terrible news. Jalen Ganey committed to Florida State, and that means Louisville's in trouble. Are you kidding me? Oh, (laughs) that's like the perfect team for him to play for. Are you kidding me? Exactly right. See, look at him in the portal, and he's not listed here, and that's why, because they. I saw that, and I was like, that sounds like a sneaky little like Malik Osborne from Rice. Uh, he's yeah, he's going to get be, some of the other guys. And sure enough, Leonard Hamilton strikes. He is, that is really interesting. Wow. He's definitely going to do some things there. He's going to be interesting there. Um, wow. That's, I think that hurts my feelings a little bit. I mean, the, the challenge with the portal is you're not going to get much in the way of quality bids because if players are big men and are good enough, they go to the NBA. Um, That's right. You know, That's right. last year, like 
I mean, Oscar Schiebel was in the portal midway through the year. I don't even count him. Mm-hmm. Of the players who were like in the portal in the summer, it was like Trey Mitchell was a hot name and he couldn't even really start at Texas. Like once he right. got there, it's like, th- these are not guys that tend to fit well. So I, I think if you're looking for, um, I guess Walker Kessler, but I mean, Walker Kessler did play at North Carolina. And then that's right. You know, that's right. I so, think looking at some of those guys is, is where they should go. I mean, an interesting name is uh, Wahab from Maryland, from Georgetown, yeah. Maryland. Although, honestly, I don't know that he probably wants to sit behind anybody, honestly. So you're probably looking at, you know, guys who bounce from um, maybe due to coaching changes and weren't getting a ton of time. So yeah. you're probably going to be taking on some, uh, I guess, a uh, project <laughs> to, be, yeah. to be nice about it. That's fair. There's a couple of names that are out there that I saw today from Jake Weingarten, Sam Onu, who was a red shirt mm-hmm. last year at Memphis, was Memphis. a four star recruit. He's six foot 11, seven feet, 270 pounds. You talk about a, a, a project. Mm-hmm. There's one for you right there. You can't teach that size, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another name that's out there, uh, not that Louisville's been connected by any means, and I don't even know if this guy's going to be a, a power five guy, but Neil Quinn out of Lafayette mm-hmm. is a, yeah. a near double double guy last year, seven feet tall. Um, there's been a couple of big men that have bounced around um, at, you know, from like a East Tennessee state or UT Chattanooga or, you know, some of these smaller schools and they've been able to go up and play a role, not be a star big man, but, but, uh, you know, move up to another, you know, a bigger name school and, and play a shot blocker role. And then here's another interesting one. Efton Reed. I mean, LSU lost every single player on their yeah. roster, uh, but Efton Reed, there's a couple of guys, Drew mm-hmm. Colbert, Bradley is zero. There's a couple of names for yeah. LSU big guys I, that are project. Efton Reed though. I mean, if yeah. you don't think that you have your man on the roster, you think Curry and, and Withers and Wheeler are pieces. I have no qualms with a coach going out and saying, I'm going to bring in a five-star guy and, and let these fellows mm-hmm. compete. Yeah. You absolutely take a swing with, uh, with a guy like Reed. Um, Alex Fudge, I mean, not not as big, but another guy with LSU didn't play a ton, but like you know, he can probably play somewhat. Uh, Frank Kepening from Oregon didn't do a ton this year into the portal. Good shot blocker, so you're probably. I, I think that's where you're probably going to strike gold is some of those guys who just didn't get to play a lot. You're hoping just a change of scenery helps them out. All right, final one here. The biggest need I see, aside from what's on the roster right now, is shooting. So give me a couple of guys, regardless of position. They can be a center, a wing, a forward, a guard. Give me some of the shooters that are out there right now that Kenny Payne could look to put around the L. Ellis's, Mike James, uh, and the big men that are already on the roster. Yeah, I agree. I think Louisville needs at least two good, really good outside shooters. I think Nigel Pack, who we already talked about, uh, would be an absolute guy. Jake Stevens from VMI, big guy who, who's shown he could hit 40% from deep. Is another one. A, a guy that I'm really interested in uh, coming out of the Patriot League is Cam Spencer from Loyola, Maryland. Uh, he's got a really interesting profile in that he was good at scoring at the rim, good from mid range, good from deep, good assist to turnover ratio. Again, did it in the Patriot League. So you wonder how much of that can translate. But at the very least, I think he should be able to um, to come in and be an outside shooter. He's got good size at the uh, at six four, so you, you, those are probably those are some of the names that I'm most interested in. But you're pro, you're going to be able to find a lot of guys. I I would lean towards guys with a little bit more size. You've got like a yeah. There's Jared Lucas out of Oregon State, a guy that's done it at a high level. Um, that's a, you know I'm, some big scores like Antonio Reeves is a pretty good shooter. But I'd say Pat Pat and Stevens probably are the two guys that I'm most interested in. Like if Louisville could bring in guys like that, all of a sudden, like that makes the three-point shot an absolute strength. A bit of a, a deep, well, not that deep of a cut, I guess, but taking a guy transferring in conference, 
possibly as more of a role player, too, could be uh, Olamir Dawes from Clemson. Had a good game against Louisville last year. This, this is a guy who's had a few years of being a legitimate three-point threat uh, in a major conference, takes most of his shots from deep, not, you know, more of like, a, I think of him as kind of a, you know, supercharged version of Noah Locke, who shoots a little bit per, better percentage, um, a little bit more likely to make some plays than Locke was, but a guy that's definitely uh, contributed at this level. So that that would be an interesting name. I think if you get that big score and that lead guard, you can fill in with a, a Dawes, but maybe you get a guy like if you can go after a guy like Nigel Pack and get him that you know knocks a couple uh couple birds out with one stone there. So those are some names yeah. that I really like. Yeah, and then of course you've got Dante Allen, who we talked about a little bit ago, who could be, you know, he could fit perfectly in that role of be a you know a primary guy off the bench as a shooter. Yeah. Um, and then there, you know, there's several other names that are out there. Sean McNeil from West Virginia is a name that's been mentioned. So Louisville's definitely got their their options out there. Um, and the good thing is, is, you know, the portal is going to continue to grow. So there's no rush. You don't have to rush to grab players just because they're out there. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, I will warn you. Uh, I have Noah Locke flashbacks when I look at Sean McNeil's stats profile. Last year when I wrote about Locke, I was like, look, he's a shooter. He's not that good of a shooter. And he doesn't do anything else. And that's what I, that's the vibe I get from Sean McNeil. So I'm like, yeah, I would, I, I put him a little, but you know, if you get him and you get other guys, that's great. I just don't want to be in a position where next year, the starting shooting guard is Sean McNeil. I'll be like, Oh, that's not great. for sure. And press, I'll let you wrap up after this, but I felt like I've always said to myself, cause I, I was on the Noah Locke bandwagon. In fact, you and I had a little bit of a banter on Twitter when I said, I think Noah Locke's going to be the leading shooter or the leading score. And I forget what you said, but it was something like, <laughs> something like, like, like you were like, yeah. then that means nobody else is probably scoring that. Like, <laughs> and it's funny because like the whole half, first half of the season, he was the leading scorer and I scored. And I was like, I can't wait to rub this in his well, face at the end of the year. But if you put Noah Locke on that team with David Johnson and Carly Jones, I'm, I'm talking, it's a completely different scenario of yeah. role and what he does right. for Louis. I'll say this, like, I, I think, I think Locke kind of just lost it on offense. Like when it became clear, he wasn't getting like open looks and he was having to like create late shots. I was very impressed. He was, pretty engaged defensively in the first half of the year, which I did not expect. Like he had horrendous luck shooting where it was like, I think at one point he was like one of 19, like in transition threes. I'm like, that's not great. That's like Presley Meyer numbers right there, man. I was after, I think it was their first exhibition game and Locke like was awesome, took the most shots and like was really good. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'm so wrong. And it turned out I was just so wrong, but like about everything, not yeah, just, just yeah, but just for like two weeks about him, right? It yeah. was like it just yeah. took like eight games to figure out. Wait a second, it was just mid-major programs. Yeah. Move along, guys. Yeah, I mean, this has been awesome. We got to sit around and do this again sometime soon. If you guys don't follow Sean Sean Vinsel on Twitter, he is at Hoops Insight, but he also has HoopsInsight.com, and he covers more than U of L. Uh, he has Hoops Insight Kentucky and Hoops Hindsight, which kind of he, you're trying to essentially go through and, and t- kind of tell the story of, of some some great teams, essentially uh, statistically, you know, how they how they came to be. So, again, at Hoops Insight, you can subscribe to his sub stack. Uh, it is absolutely free as far as I know. I uh, don't think there's any charges. I, I, I didn't see any charges. I've never I've never run into a pay. Just charge your credit card directly. You don't even have to. <laughs> exactly. All you got to do is just put, uh, you know, uh, 16 numbers in and you're good to go. Now, I'm, I'm totally kidding. It's completely free. Hoops Insight. If you liked what you heard today, cannot recommend it enough because he gives some, well, as, as his name says, insight uh, on, on essentially 
uh, everything U of L and UK uh, statistically that a lot of us don't bring to the table. Uh, a lot of the statistics that we can look at in college basketball now are, are completely different than, than even five years ago. Uh, so we are starting to assemble a little bit more of a database, a little bit uh, gain a little bit more knowledge about statistically what makes a good or even great college basketball player and team. Uh, and so Sean does a great job of breaking that down. So if you're a UofL fan, a UK fan, or anything in between, even if you're not a UofL or UK fan, extremely fascinating to check out. Hoops Insight, Sean Bensell. That's all I got. Bensell, I'm never going to get it right. <laughs> never going to get it right. <laughs> Trust me, I've had people who mispronounce that just literally all the time. So I'm very used to it. <laughs> well, for for, uh, for Presley Mayor, Jacob Blind, we would love to have you guys back. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. And Sean, we can't wait to have you back on, on the pod to, to share some more of your knowledge. Until next time, starting 502 Podcast. Let's get out of here. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.